0: In 2012, about 10 years ago, I was blessed with the ability to take a sabbatical. It's the first sabbatical that I ever that I ever took. Sabbatical is kind of a weird word if you're not familiar with that concept. They do it a lot in like education and even in business where you'll kind of take a break and regroup and that sort of thing. For me, it was stepping away from my normal ministry sort of work and. Um, So yeah, we got a chance to have three months. It was over the summer. And one of the big things that we did, I say we, my wife, Jackie, and I, we got a chance to go to New Zealand. And we were there for about three weeks. And then she had to head back to the States. And then I got one more week where I got to go to Australia. And uh, it was an incredible trip on many uh, many levels. It was certainly interesting to, to hear the different accents. And by the way, Australian, is a different accent than New Zealander. They don't like the mix. They were very adamant that we're Kiwis, we're not Aussies. And that even played out on the rugby field. If you've never heard or seen rugby, that's pretty interesting. But it was awesome to hear the different accents, the different food. Oh, the meat pies were incredible. The, we got a chance to go to the North Island, which is kind of where I think Auckland is. And then we got a chance to go to the Southern Island. And uh, beautiful country green, rolling hills, but then, like, if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, I think they filmed the Lord of the Rings series, the Tolkien series, right? The, that whole series was filmed at least partly there, and you can see, in fact, we drove right by a place called Hobbit Town. It was incredible. It was so fun. Now, they, they do drive on the wrong side of the road, because they're proper Britons over there, but it was, it was incredible on, on, many, on many different levels. The people were great. But it was also kind of difficult. In fact, that trip did not exactly play out like we thought it was going to play out. One of the things I was supposed to do, or we were supposed to do, is because we understand church planting, and we're from a part of the world that religiously is kind of similar to New Zealand. We're in the Pacific Northwest. It's what they call a very unchurched area, if you will. So they tapped on Jackie and I to go and encourage some of the church plants that had happened over there. And so we went to Christ Church, and there was a church plant in Auckland, there was a church plant in Dunedin, New Zealand, which is on the southern part of the southern island. And right away we could tell when we arrived at some of those places that things were not right. There was one particular place we went, and there was like a marriage sort of on the rocks and imploding, and that wasn't good for church leadership. Uh, and that was difficult, and they were just in their first year of a ch- as a church plan and I don't think that was going to go good. So we were trying to like do triage, if you will, emotional triage in several places. Another place, two of the people wanted to go back to the states. so that was rough. like what was going to happen to the the, the the ministry if they left So we we felt like instead of sort of just decompressing in New Zealand, we felt kind of ramped up after that because we were trying to like help people and uh, so the journey over there did not quite happen the way we had hoped. And I thought, you know, Jackie went back to New Zealand, or to the States, and I, I flew over to Australia, I'm like, finally, and I can just chill out, I can go to the opera house, which is really iconic, if you've ever seen the opera house in Sydney, Australia. And there, was a similar situation, there was a church plant just about an, an hour north of Sydney, and they were also feeling like God was calling them back to the States, and so it was a kind of a difficult journey, not exactly what, what we had planned. we get back from that and we're like, we need, you ever felt like you needed to, to take a vacation from having a vacation? <laughs> that's that's kind of what it felt. And it really began as a trip and a vacation, the Sabbath time, but it turned into more of like a difficult journey by the time it was all said and done. Can anybody relate to a trip or anything that didn't go exactly as planned? Anybody have a trip like that? You know, maybe it was a family vacation and you're going to take this great trip and things break down, cars break down, uh, or you, you, you lost the, the traveler's checks. Do they still do the traveler's checks anymore? I don't know. You lose the traveler's checks or, I don't know, you uh, you get lost. There was a time before we had all these devices that we carry around that you actually had to look at a map. And if you're not familiar with those, they're, they're kind of uh, these these pages with cities and uh, different colored lines. And those are highways and stuff like that. And I remember one time Jackie and I were somewhere lost in the South and she was supposed to be the navigator, my wife. She she was in the passenger seat. This is probably in the mid-90s, something like that. And uh, we were trying to find some place and some of those uh, atlases or maps you know, they, they span one page and go to the next page, or some of them are kind of oriented a little confusing to where if, you, if, the, if the road goes off this way, you're, you're supposed to be on a, a different page to, to pick up where it left off. Well, she had misunderstood, and strangely enough, she had gone off the page, and she was actually in a different state. But the highway was the same number. I'm not really sure how that happened, but we were way off kilter. Probably doesn't happen as much now with all of our modern conveniences, but you, you have moments like that, right? Where you have a vacation or a trip, a journey, and it doesn't play out exactly like you'd hope. When I think back about the 2020 or the 2012 trip in New Zealand, for me, there's kind of a bittersweet to it. There's some things I'm really thankful that we went through on that journey, but also some difficult things. In fact, I've been in touch with some of those folks that were in those ministries, and they're doing okay. Some of them actually did need to come back to the States. And I've seen health, health restored, and that's a, that's a good thing, right? Because uh, that, was, that was difficult. So both are true, that it was a great trip, but also a difficult trip. And I don't know about you, but when you think about the terms trip or vacation, and then you talk about a journey... Doesn't journey sort of feel different? Journey feels a little bit more meaty. I, mean, I can't find the right word, right? If journey feels a little bit more like there's more stuff going on here. It's not just a trip to Disneyland. This is a, a journey. And maybe, maybe you find yourself on a journey like that. Well, we're going to be talking about a journey. A journey that was unexpected and probably very difficult for the young couple that Jesus would be born as their son. We're going to be looking at that today. If you have a Bible or device, you can find Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to be. I recognize this is a very familiar passage, and I would just want to challenge all of us to try to read it with some fresh eyes this morning. But this is the third Sunday of Advent here, and uh, so as Jeff said, I've got to now enter into the difficulty of using a device to light these candles. Do they still make matches anymore? I'm just curious. With all these, in, in Britain, they call these torches. Anyway, uh, okay, so the first Sunday of Advent, if you remember that way back then, it was November 27th, and uh, if I can make this work, and David was preaching that Sunday, and he talked about the, the idea of waiting, that there's anticipation and waiting when it comes to this season, and certainly uh, the, the people of Israel were waiting for the Messiah to finally, to finally show. And so we talked about waiting, and it's something that we also do in our lives. And then last week, I was talking about the idea of acceptance. And sometimes, even if uh, we had one plan for our life, God sometimes will change that plan. And sometimes we need to accept His will. So we talked about that last week. And this is the third week of Advent. Can I light the final candle successfully? And today, you guessed it, we are talking about journeying. We get to journey with God. You may think, well, that seems like an odd term, journeying for Advent week three. But if you think about it, God came and was born and put on flesh and walked among us. And the scriptures call that Emmanuel, God with us. It's a profound miracle and a huge mystery. But in a sense, God made a journey toward us. He was journeying toward us. And when, when Jesus grew up and began his ministry, it shouldn't shock us that he invited us to follow him, to be on a journey with, as it were, God in flesh. And he called us into this journey of walking in a new kingdom and, and having a whole new way to be human. And so we're, we, were, we were invited by Jesus to journey as it were, with God. And, and where God is still partnering with us humans to try to, to bring about good in the world. And God is still partnering with us. And we get to follow Jesus in this journey. And many of us said yes to following Jesus. And we, we are part of that journey. So, so the, I'm Pastor Ben. Glad you're here today. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. We gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. We say we're one big dysfunctional family of faith. And here we are gathering on a Sunday. Why do we gather on a Sunday? Because a Sunday was the day that tomb was empty and it changed human history forever. And it changed many of the hearts in this room forever. And we wouldn't go back. We're on this journey with God. So let's pause for a word of prayer and get into our our message today in the word journeying. Let's pray. Father, you're good and powerful and mighty. We're thankful that at Christmas we're reminded that you came to us, you journeyed to us, And you still invite us to be part of your kingdom, part of the good that you're doing in the world until Jesus comes back. So Father, we lean into you, your word, uh, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, may we be your hands and feet in the world as we journey in this life of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, let's pick up in Luke chapter two. And again, I know this is a familiar story. I just wanna read the first six or seven verses But you think about Joseph and Mary. They had to, right away, because it was an order by the Roman occupying government that they had to go and register uh, in a census situation. We're going to read about that. But likely Mary and Joseph were on foot for this three-day journey. I know a lot of nativity scenes and artwork sometimes picture Mary on the back of a beast of burden like a donkey or something. And and, and that could have been... But if you remember, Jesus and Mary were not uh, well off financially. So there's a good chance they'd made this journey on foot. And she was quite pregnant at the time, as you know. So it was quite a journey that they probably would have preferred not to make. Let's read the text. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration For her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Familiar, familiar story. They had to make this journey. She has this child away from home. There's a good chance there were some family members around I know that also doesn't seem to fit with some of the narratives we've learned over time. But remember, they probably traveled with family because they all had to go back to their registration town of, of Bethlehem. So she's with family, and we know what comes next after this, right? We kind of know the story. You have this an angel announcement to some shepherds, and so this news hits the shepherds first, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And they go off in search of where this child is, and they, f- they find Mary and Joseph. And uh, so they're excited. And then we have all these moments where the scriptures say that Mary kept pondering these things in her heart. Kept thinking about these things, wondering what's going on. And, and we see that. And then within seven or eight days, as is the custom in Jewish law for, for baby boys... On the eighth day, he was circumcised and then given the name Jesus. And as we learned, what, last week or so, that actually Jesus, that name has kind of become the name Jesus, but ultimately he was born Yeshua, Joshua. And that's significant because that means Yahweh saves. He was given that name. And so he's given that name on the eighth day, and so begins this journey of Jesus, this human yet divine, this God put on flesh, man, that walks among us. This, this amazing God puts on flesh and walks among us, pointing us to a new kingdom. Ultimately, it was a journey to save the world from, from all our sins. Once again, God comes to us. And you think about the life of Jesus. And yes, there's a lot of things to celebrate. It was beautiful. He fed people. He healed people. But it was also difficult. And in life, we realize there's some things that are both true. That something can be beautiful and difficult. Something can be worth celebrating and sometimes worth mourning over. Both are true. I know it's complex, but both of these seemingly competing realities are true. That Jesus began this beautiful journey, but it was difficult because it would end in a Roman cross. But of course we know the story doesn't end there. That something tragic came something beautiful. That on that third day he rose from the dead. Defeating Satan and second death. An amazing thing. See, journeys can be... Exciting and terrifying. And maybe you've experienced some of that in your life already. Young, old, you've experienced journeys can be a a bit like that. If you spend any time in the, and I don't like this term, in the Old Testament part of the Bible, and we've talked about that, right? Probably not a good way to look at the two halves of the scriptures is old and new because it makes it, it's a weird qualifier. I think First Testament would be better. First covenant would be way better. But I digress. If you spend any time in the Old Testament, let's just call it that, Genesis through Malachi, you will see something interesting. That there's journeys all over the place. If you look at the Old Testament scriptures, they're moving all the time. Uh, Right away, they're moving. They're they're leaving here, going here. Uh, God's calling them to go there, and they're going there, and then they come back. And there's all kinds of people on the move. It's a big deal. And, and so journeys like what we read with Joseph and Mary are pretty common in Scripture. Sometimes God wants to move us from place to place and, and have us take adventures. And I think that's why some of our favorite stories, some of our favorite narratives in our culture, and cultures over time, revolve around these narratives, revolve around these stories of journeys. In fact, there was one novelist, uh, John Gardner, who said that there's really, in his op- opinion, only two stories that we tell. The first one is this. Someone goes on a journey. Can you think of a story where someone goes on a journey? I just mentioned what? The Lord of the Rings? Doesn't Bilbo Baggins, whatever, go on a journey, right? Think about all the stories that we love where someone goes on a journey or a movie, okay? I know some of you are not readers. There's, there's great movies out there, but the other thing that John Gardner says, so it's that one. A stranger goes on a journey. The other one is a stranger comes to town. And you think of a story where someone new comes into town. One of my favorite Broadway plays is *Music Man*. You ever, ever see that one? And you got his traveling salesman that comes into town. You know, there it is, right? There's that narrative. Maybe John Gardner's right. There's just two stories that we tell. But think about Noah. I know this is going way back in the day. So Genesis, what, five or six, we meet Noah, and uh, what, what a what a crazy adventure journey he goes on. First of all, you have the hundreds of years, you know, building a boat, and with no water around, which is odd, and then, then he gets in the boat, <laughs> and then you have this crazy boat trip, which we don't often tell in maybe children's church, but... Yeah, you know, the sense of what's happening here is God kind of saving his people, but there's also some tragedy to that story, right? Can Can both be true? It's complex. So Noah understood journeys. Abraham, he understood journey. In fact, the first time he meets God, God's like, go somewhere else, right? Go to this place that you're not even actually going to live. It's eventually going to be given to, well, you're going to live there for a while, but it's not really yours yet. I'm going to give it to what would be the nation of Israel. So generations later. Abraham is told to go on a journey. Okay. Are there other journeys that you can think of from the Old Testament? How about Israel? That's a journey. I mean, it starts out really well. I mean, they get kind of jettisoned out of Egypt. Thank you, Moses, and and what God does there. You get the plagues, which is, again, tragic, right? But beautiful because the people are being saved out of slavery. And then, and they start this journey, and God's doing amazing things, making sure the Pharaoh's army is taken care of. That whole, you know, parting of the sea thing. And so they understood journey, and then of course we can't forget Israel's forty-year journey in the wilderness, where disobedience, things like that, got them off track. Whole generations had to die off. I mean, think of the things that they probably learned in that journey, because they had to learn to trust God because there's not a lot of food, so they had to actually learn, do you trust God for your daily bread? What was the daily bread for them? Manna. Isn't it interesting when Jesus teaches us to pray or teaches his disciples about daily bread? You think that the people who first heard him say that thought right away, oh, manna. Where they had to trust God. They couldn't keep more than the day. They had to trust that God was going to show up tomorrow. Tomorrow. Because if God didn't show up tomorrow, they starved. But every morning, God showed up, teaching them along this journey, who do you trust? So they learned a lot. They learned about loss. They learned about desolation. They learned about transformation. These journeys teach us something. Joseph and Mary have this, this, this journey they probably didn't want to take to Bethlehem. And so, they, yeah, there's a travel component to that, but they also were journeying towards this amazing moment of God putting on flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Little did they probably understand all the weight of that. They're journeying toward Bethlehem, but they're also journeying toward the birth of Emmanuel. Both are true. The coming of the Messiah and Emmanuel God was imminent in that journey. I I feel like this Christmas season, and maybe this isn't for you, but for me, the closer we get to Christmas and the family gatherings and all that, it just, it feels like it starts to get faster and faster. And some of you have family out of town. Some of you have to travel during that time. And travel's been kind of crazy, it seems like, lately. And so it can start to feel a bit busy, overwhelming, maybe even a little stressful. And if I could just pause right now, in this season we're in, this December 11th, remember what the Christmas story is all about. Ultimately, it's really about God journeying toward us. You see, before any of us were born, God said, yes, I would like, I would like to, to love on you. I choose you. Christmas is about God journeying toward us. It's what makes, I think, Christianity so unique in the world of religion and philosophy, all that. You have a God who fiercely loves us and pulled out all the stops to connect and have a relationship with us. Christmas is about God journeying toward you and me. And that's a beautiful thing. And he even knew, eyes wide open, what that meant for him to put on flesh and to to, to do this ministry and to face that cross. All that, the scriptures say, he did that for the joy set before him. He saw you and loved you before you were ever born, before you ever went through high school and had all those crazy mistakes. He already loves you. Some of us are older and we've made a lot more mistakes and we know better now. God already loves you. See, if we could just pause for a second and remember, Christmas is about God journeying toward us. That's a huge deal. He took the first step. What does the scripture say? We love him because he first loved us. We get that order messed up sometimes. He's journeying toward us. He journeyed toward humanity, yes, to the cross, but also to resurrection and redemption and renewal and ultimately renewal of heavens and new earth, new new heavens and new earth. God is doing all the work here. I almost feel like the Christmas story is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God's great love for you and me. He journeyed toward us. What are we journeying right now, this this season of our lives? Where are you journeying at right now? Where are you in your your adventure, your journey with with Jesus? Where are you at? Are you you anticipating that return? How are you handling the journey so far and the journey right now as we speak? I, I, I want us to maybe consider a challenge right now is to, in this season of journeying, we ask, God, what would you have us do? What would you have us do? Where, where, where are, are you working and we can join you? Where, where can we be your hands and feet in the world? I want us to, to think about our, uh, what would be called a both and statement. Two things that may seem opposing, but they're true. For instance, God is loving and God is just. Can both of those be true? the same time, yeah, God is loving, and He's also just. He loves us more than we could possibly imagine, but there's a sin issue. So His justice and grace and His wrath, all of those are true. They may seem like opposing statements, but they're true, both and statements. God loves us, and He has so much for us. So as we're journeying in this life, wherever you're at in this journey, what is God wanting for you? Where are you going to be in this journey? What what role is he going to have for you to play? So, So if I were to give you an example of some things like that, that could be your sort of both and statement in your life. How about this? Maybe you aim to get in shape and enjoy really good food. Can both of those be true? I mean, We always talk about, you know, we're, we're, we're right on the cusp of January. And everybody makes these yeah, things that we follow for about two weeks and then and forget about it. But for me, I think God has created some great food, some great drink. And he wants us to enjoy that, celebrate that. So is it a both and statement for you? That you want to get in shape? Be a little more healthy, but also enjoy great food. I think both can be true. Maybe that could be your New Year's resolution, that both of those could be true. They seem contradictory, but I promise you I don't think they are. How about this one? Praying more while also listening more. I think sometimes in the prayer thing, we come to God with this whole agenda as if we got to explain to God how things are. We want this, 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 and we're ready to start checking them off. And there's nothing wrong with having requests. That's a good thing. We call that supplication. That's a big Bible word. But requests are good. But I wonder if we could grow in our faith if we would enter into prayer and just shut our mouth. So can both of those be true? That you can pray more and listen more. It's amazing what we can learn when we're not talking. Someone told me this little acronym the other day. It's called WAIT. Why am I talking? And that's a great thing in conversation sometimes. It's a great thing for preachers to remember. So can both be true? I think so. How about this? Spending less and giving more. I've known some people in my life that have been very successful in business, that they have made it an aim to live on 10% and give 90%. Now that is completely upside down to how most of us even could dream of operating. But their goal is, God has gifted me with this, I wanna give as much of it as I can away. Because it turns out we can't take it with us, right? We amass this stuff, thinking it's gonna give us comfort or it's gonna give us security but what if, what if we could, is that, a, is that a statement that could be yours? That I want to spend less and give more. Those seem like contradictory, but they're, they could work together. How about this last one? Accomplishing goals. Okay, we love setting goals. Then that's a good thing. Some of us are type A in here. We like to set our goals. We could, It's just so. We're going to make this happen. We set our goals, but embrace Sabbath rest. Some of us aren't very good at rest. I think it's one of the most uh, violated of the Ten Commandments. And it shows up before murder. Look it up. Exodus 20. Who, who, who could use some help on the rest thing? Now, I'm not talking about we just embrace you know, inactivity. For this. No, rest really means more than just sleep. It means pausing your normal work and refreshing and recharging. That could be on a boat with a fishing pole doesn't mean you're, you're, you're catching naps, although I am a big fan of naps. So could both of those be true? That you would accomplish goals but also embrace Sabbath rest. So let me just be that as encouraging. Pray this week about what could be your both-and statements. And if you want to use one of those, you can. What is going to be your, your both-and statement on this journey? Because we don't want it to be just, be just journeying for, for no reason or wandering for no reason. That we want to have a purpose. As we're journeying through this life, we want to journey toward hope and not fear. We want to journey toward being fruitful. The scriptures tell us that there's some good fruit that we can produce on this journey. Some of you may remember what they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, the one I always forget, gentleness, and self control. These are fruits along the journey. That could be part of your your production. How about this? What if we moved toward compassion and empathy, justice and renewal, equity and inclusion? How can we be journeying in a both celebratory way, celebration, and also embrace that sometimes we have sorrow along the way? Both can be true. What is your both and? And maybe here's another thing we could, we could say. As this story unfolded that we read, Mary and Joseph, they're, they're basically kind of displaced, if you will, from where their home was to Bethlehem. And we're, we're not sure how long they were in Bethlehem. We're really not sure. But while they were there, then the baby was born. But they were displaced. And maybe, maybe God might speak to us, our church family, about maybe people who are displaced in their life. Maybe people who are are literally on a journey right now. Maybe those who are actually migrating or actually without a, a place to call home. What if God would call us, call you and I, to not just see that need, but find a way to bring help to that need? I mean, Mary and Joseph are literally on a journey. What if there's some people right now who could use our help? Those who are seeking safety in a shelter, in a warm place. Maybe we, we would be moved by God to hear the cry of, of someone who needs to be rescued. That we could be those hands and feet in our world. I mean, Mary and Joseph, again, they were displaced without a place to call home. What if we could be that for someone? Maybe God actually wants to provide for those folks through you and me. Maybe that's his plan. So we could ask, God, is that your plan? Is that, is that what you want want me to do in this journey right now well speaking of journeys i want to i want to wrap up with a a prayer over us but if you are someone here that you've never said yes to the jesus team you've never said yes to the family of jesus you've never said yeah i i want jesus as my lord i want him calling the shots my way isn't working and you want jesus to be your lord and savior you can join that journey with many of us uh, and, and it's, it's very simple in scripture we we start with believing trusting that god is who he says he is trusting that jesus is indeed lord and savior and in and, and, and repenting of our sin that's the idea of turning in a different direction confession is another thing that we do together when we say yes to jesus and that is saying god you're in charge i'm not i'm a sinner i need help and and i'm 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 calling you calling it out that I, i'm i'm in that's confession, agreeing with God where you're at. There's baptism. We're going to do that here in, in a few moments where you can then be buried with Christ and then raised to life. It's an experience with Jesus. And it's an it's a, it's a, it's a identity marker to the world, a witness. And then we, we start following Jesus on that journey. If you're someone who's never started that journey, you could do that today. Talk to me, talk to any of us here in leadership. We'd love to get you started on that. But for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we're already on that journey may this time, may may you be praying about, God, what are you leading me on this journey? Where are you leading me to be your hands and feet? Where are you leading me to that both and statement this season? Because God is still working and wants to do work through you. You know, he's got work only you can do. Created before you were ever born. And so be asking, God, what do you want for me in this season of my life? In this season, in the community you put me in, where do you want me to what do you want me to do? Let's pray together. Our Father and our God in heaven, you're good and mighty. And, and we, we long to continue this journey with you, Jesus. Would you journey with us, Eternal One? You're the God of the journeying ones, the ones of the in between places. You're on the highways and in the side roads of our lives. You're setting a banquet in the wilderness with music that makes us sway slow. We ask you to reorient us to a more just, a more merciful, and a more loving journey. This Advent season, let us journey with you. In the name of Jesus, Messiah, Emmanuel. Amen.